Well, tonight we're talking about wisdom. How many of you uh, kind of resonated with that? I mean, you figure, hey, I'm a pretty smart person, and yet every once in a while I get it wrong. Anybody? Yes? Yeah, I see lots of hands. Yeah. I have some smart guys up there, right? I mean, he was talking about, and I mean, they had, I mean, they, they thought they were totally clued in and got it wrong. We're going to jump into something that's really quite, I would say, quite, quite simple for us. It's a little path that we're going to take through the book of Proverbs. And while we do this, uh, because we've got kids in the room tonight, and I'm so excited about you guys being here, I wanted to start off by just saying most of all the verses that we're looking at tonight are in Proverbs. Now, Proverbs was written by who? Any kid want to tell me? Going once? Going twice? Solomon. All right. Fantastic. Yes, by Solomon. And so here's, here's the crazy part, right? So Solomon writes this, and uh, you know how many chapters are in the book of Proverbs? Anybody want to take a stab at it? 31. Okay, here's my challenge. You know how many uh, days are in the month that starts tomorrow? 31. It'll be a crazy thing. How about this? If you're not already connected into a Bible plan, right? If you're not already connected into some devotional experience that you are starting the day off with every day with God or in some kind of way. You know, here's what's crazy. There was a, there was a, um, there was a, a reporter one day that asked Billy Graham, what devotional material do you use? And you know what he told him? He said, well, I study a lot of different things, but I never stray from reading a proverb and three psalms, I mean five psalms every day. A proverb and five psalms every day. If you're looking for something that's going to push you into greater understanding of who God is and how we are built and how he wants us to live, I can think of no greater book to jump into than the book of Proverbs. And so whether it's kids or adults, it's going to be a great opportunity for you You to start tomorrow, right? Well, we're going to jump in and look. And, you know, here's the the thing. As we do this, some of us are going to go, oh, of course, that's obvious. I've, I've looked at that proverb, or I understand that, or that makes totally good sense to me because I've heard it my whole life. The question is, how are we doing it, living it out? Whether we're 6, 16, or 60, how are we doing it, living out what God's Word calls us to do and how He calls us to live? And so, yeah, there, was, there were some guys that thought they were pretty wise up there. Uh, I, these are some these are some some children's quotes uh, that we have. Uh, I don't know if the other yeah, are they already up there. Let's see. Here we go. Never trust a dog to watch your food. That's what Patrick said. That's good. When your dad is mad and asks you, "Do I look stupid?" Don't answer him. That's that's wisdom right there. Never tell your mom her diet's not working. Out of all of them, that may be the wisest right there. Okay. Uh, never allow your three-year-old brother in the same room as your school assignment. There we go. That's what Tracy said. Puppies still have bad breath even after eating a Tic Tac. That's what Andrew said. All right, let's go look at a few more. You can't hide a piece of broccoli in a glass of milk. That's just wisdom right there. That's just wisdom. If you want a kitten, start out by asking for a horse. That's, again, felt markers are not good to use as lipstick. I think that's personal experience speaking right there. Don't pick on your sister when she's holding a baseball bat. That's good. That's smart. And then never try to baptize a cat. So those are all nuggets of wisdom from kids and uh, probably born out of experience. And uh, as, we, as we jump into the Proverbs, before we do that, we're actually going to take a ride in Ecclesiastes first because as we read this, as we read what Solomon has to say, catch this, he says, 
about God, about his wisdom. It says, not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. Their collected sayings are firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commands, for this is the duty of all mankind. So after it was all written down, what what Solomon came back and decided was, you know what, here's here's, here's the bottom line. Bottom line is we need to fear God. Now we're going to get to that in a minute because that's actually our first point. But here's what Proverbs 28, 26 says. Those who trust in themselves are fools, but those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. If we were to walk out of here tonight and you were to walk up to a crowd of people and they were to say, oh, you know what? Here's the, here's the thing. We are so excited and proud of you. And what you discovered is it was, a, it was a group of fools. I mean, these are people who were just so very clueless about life, about God, about everything. But they were just singing your praises. Or you walked into a group and they were just, oh man, so very impressed with your life and how you lived and the choices that you were making at home with your spouse, on the job. And they were like, ah, oh, this man. And you discovered those people, oh wow, they are just wise. I mean, they are wise beyond their years, beyond their intellect. It's not just about what they know. It's about who they know. They're walking with God and they're putting all that into play and they're the ones singing your applause. You know what? I bet every one of us in the room would go, I would rather be appreciated and applauded by those people than by those fools. Well, that's really the gist of what King Solomon is, is taking us through as we walk through these verses together. And uh, so we're going to figure out, well, how do we get it? How do we walk in the wisdom of God? We're going to jump right in here. First, God says that we are to fear him. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now, that, here's what, we, we look at that word, and we may look, oh, fear, does that mean like, I'm scared that God's going to squash me, that he's going to just mash me into the ground. No, actually, that word fear in the Old Testament doesn't have to do with I'm just cowering and oh, oh, oh woe is me. No, no, it's an awe. It's a, it's a, I am just absolutely in awe, in respect of, in respect of God. And that's what he says, is to be our starting point, to recognize who God is. Here's the truth. Not only recognize who he is, but that he really is real. That he really is worth following. That really all these songs that Matt and the band were leading us in just a moment ago was not just for show. It wasn't just to do something because we always kind of kick off the service with two or three songs. It's because we enter into this moment recognizing God is in this moment and he is the king of the universe and he really is real. That this isn't some fake facade thing that we show up for once a week and do. But God deserves all of our attention and focus because he is who he is. And so that's the starting point. That he is worth our worship. And that he really does know what he's talking about. That all, everything that he's written in here, it makes sense. And the reason why it makes sense is because it's been written as an owner's manual for us. Because he's the one that created us. And we can trust him with every single issue, every single problem, every single decision in our lives. And our acquisition of wisdom, really it has nothing to do with some mechanical formula. Where does it start? It starts with our attention to God. 
there are some important things that we do before we take a test. I bet you that there are a few kids in here that have a few tests left to take before school is out. And my question is, and you can just kind of yell these out and that's fine. What are some things that your parents or teacher have told you that you should do in order to take a test well? What should you do to prepare for it? Somebody tell me. Relax. Just, just chill. Study. I heard study. What else? What? Focus. Yep. Are you, are you supposed to stay up really, really, really late the night before? No, get a good night's rest, right? Are you supposed to go into the test just absolutely so hungry you could like eat, a, you know, eat four Big Macs or something? Or, or, or do you, are you supposed to have a decent breakfast, like a good healthy breakfast? Good healthy breakfast. Okay, so we're getting somewhere. So there are some things that we're supposed to do that we're supposed to put in place in order to get ready for that test. That makes perfectly good sense. Those are the things that we do. In the same manner, there's something that we start off with in our quest for wisdom. And what he says that we begin with is to get to know God. The verse says, knowledge of the Holy One. This is, this is wisdom that's found in a document that in Hebrews 4.12 is described as living and active. And I came across a quote. Uh, there's a book I have in my office, and it's called uh, ah, Lives of the Faithful. or I can't, I can't remember the exact name of the book now, but uh, there was a quote in it from Beth Moore. And here's what she says about God's word. She says, we might say that every breath comes to us still warm from the mouth of God. We might say that every breath comes to us still warm from the mouth of God. To realize this is a living, breathing, active document like no other because it is God's word. Proverbs 1, seven says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That I have a respect and awe for him and I put my focus and attention on him, trusting that he really does know best in all situations. Adults, do you trust that he knows best in every situation you're facing right now? I love this paraphrase of Proverbs 1.7. It says, start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thumb their noses at such wisdom and learning. What do we do first? We start with God. Number two, we make wisdom our goal. We make it our goal. That's, a, that's very intentional. Proverbs 8.17 says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. How many of you have ever played hide-and-seek before? Anybody? Oh, I see lots of hands going up. Yeah, absolutely. We've all played it. And I've told you about... If you've heard me at all much, you've probably heard me talk about times when I've played hide-and-seek with our kids. And we've had lots of opportunities to do that as they've grown up. But there's one particular time when I just had so much fun playing hide-and-go-seek, and it was when I was a counselor at a camp. As a matter of fact, uh, Pine Cove, where many of our ladies are at this weekend for their retreat, they do this uh, hide-and-seek type experience whenever our students go there for their weekend camp experiences. And the counselors go, I think they, I, I don't know how it all works. They've got a deviation uh, uh, of how that works. But I remember at the camp that I was a counselor at, we did a find the counselor hide and seek experience. All the camp was supposed to be inside of the cafeteria area, right? And then all of us as counselors went out and we would hide. And we did that like every Thursday of camp. It was a new group every week. And so that was just our ritual. We'd go and, and, and they'd have to find us. 
And we had some great hiding spots. I mean, we're talking, uh, one of my favorite ones, and this is kind of gross, but it really worked really well. Uh, The the camp had these real big trash cans, all right? And so I I would get a buddy of mine to take the big trash bags out, and I would get inside the trash can and get down, I know it sounds kind of nasty, get down into it, and then put the trash bags on top. You see, and they just don't think to pull the trash out to see that it, there I am, you know, uh, the grouch or whoever that is. And so, and so that was great. But, you know, I remember some really cool, I mean, they would climb up in trees and camo. They would do some really, uh, get underneath the canoes whenever they were dry docked on the, on the shore. All kinds of crazy things, right? I remember one, one of my friends, until they finally outlawed the lake and that couldn't be an option, he actually got in his swimsuit, he's a counselor, he went out with a snorkel. And stayed underwater the whole time, right? Until the whole hide and seek thing. And then they never caught him. And everybody said, oh, that's not fair. And then we couldn't do that anymore. But hide and seek, lots and lots of fun. God is not playing hide and seek. Did you see what God was saying here? He says, you look for me and you find me. You want wisdom. You want to make wisdom your goal. You are going to succeed. If you want to be a wise person in this life, if that is your goal, and if God is your goal and your attention is him, then you know what he says? You will succeed. So you say, God, I'm going to commit to read your word. I'm going to make this the goal to know you, to know what you're saying about this word and how to live it and what is best for me. When that becomes our goal, we find him. And when we find him, what God says is, We find wisdom. And wisdom is not just knowing lots of stuff. Because there's lots of really smart people that know lots of stuff. And they make awful choices throughout life. And they deal with all kinds of negative consequences throughout life. No, this is wisdom that leads us to wise choices. To choices that send us toward the path of righteousness. Of holiness. Of a life that pleases God. To fear God. To make wisdom our goal. Here's something else that Proverbs says. It's important for us to hang out with people who are wise. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. All right, so I've got something in my hand. I've got three different balls of it. Kids, any idea what this is? Play-Doh. Yeah, exactly. And if I were to get, uh, any of you have like a one-year-old brother or sister or younger? Yes? Okay, so and what's your name? Lincoln. Okay, and what's her, what's her or his name? Ada? Okay, if you were to give Ada, now we didn't bring the one-year-olds into the service today, but if you gave Ada these three balls of Play-Doh, what do you think that she would make out of that besides a mess? See a smaller one, just kind of peel it apart maybe, or, you know, just kind of mash it, do some, I mean, I, yeah, if, if we gave Ada this Play-Doh, my guess is, it would not necessarily, I mean, it would be her version of a masterpiece, right? But what it probably would not be is this. That right there is nothing but Play-Doh. That was four sculptors. Uh, they spent uh, actually less than a week from what I read on this. And they created this largest Play-Doh model of anything. It's, I, think, I believe it's in the Guinness Book of World Records. That's pretty impressive. Nothing but Play-Doh. That's not like Play-Doh shaped around a car, right? 
That is Plato. And sculptors that put that together, you think they kind of knew what they were doing? I think so. I think they had a vision. I think they had a goal. I think they had a plan. And, uh, and you know what? To then park that on the street between real cars is just hysterical. It's amazing. All right. What does that mean? It takes us to this question. Who's shaping you? That's really what this verse has in store for us. Is my life being shaped by my creator? Is my life being shaped in his hands? Or is my life being shaped by the foolish? By the people that, for whatever reason, I care so very much about what they think. And you know, one of the crazy things is one of the ways that the creator actually tells us that he would like to shape us is by having us around other people who love him. Other people who are following after him. Remember what, uh, let's see, uh, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It makes sense, right? It, it, it makes sense. And so he, here's Proverbs 13 saying, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I've had many a conversation with parents over the years who were freaked out about the choices that their kids were making. And at some point, they would often say, oh, well, you know, I've never really been a fan of who their best friend is. Or, you know, in today's lingo, in today's world, it would be, oh, well, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not real fond of some of the things that are written on their Instagram. Or, I mean, I, you know, I've read their text, and you know, it does kind of bother me some of the things that are happening there. I remember counseling parents who would just say, I just feel like they went into the wrong crowd. And, you know, lest we point the finger solely at adolescence, adults in the room, here's the question for us. Who are you around that's making you better? Who are you around that's pushing you to holiness? Who are you around that is encouraging you, that challenges you in your faith, and that after you're with them, you just look a little bit more like Jesus? Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a really strong, solid friend. Maybe it's somebody you're not spending near as much time as you need to with. Let's be, quick, let's be clear. I'm, I'm quite sure most of us here today will not wake up tomorrow and think, ah, oh, you know what, I sure hope that by the end of the day, I am a whole lot more impure. I really hope I am more untrustworthy than ever before and really, really disrespectful. Matter of fact, I really hope that what happens is by the end of tomorrow, I am further away from God than I've ever been. We're not going to wake up tomorrow and say those things. But the truth is, one step at a time, we do become shaped. We become shaped maybe by just the choices that we decide we're going to make. Maybe by God and his word and following it. Maybe by the wise people that we do life with. But we will be shaped. You're being shaped. Matter of fact, adults, you're not finished being shaped. I think one of the craziest things that we deal with is just the wisdom of our own eyes. You remember what Judges 17.6 says? It says, everyone was doing what they seemed was right in their own eyes. Now, that particular commentary about that particular time in the Old Testament spoke to a people whose country was falling into complete and utter chaos. And that was the reason 
I, w- I thought about showing this video to you, and then I thought, no, I'm not going to show it because I don't want anybody to get any bad ideas. And I thought, well, maybe I will show it. And then I, no, I'm not. And I finally decided, no, I'm not going to show it. And I thought, no, you know what? It's Saturday night. We'll show it and see where this goes. Any parents cringe just now? Kids, disclaimer that is not a tutorial. Don't go home and do that, all right? I did not affirm that. Do not do that. Did you notice how happy that girl was? I mean, she was so proud of herself. Matter of fact, there's a little commentary in there where she actually says something. I can't remember exactly what she says, but it's to the extent of, you know, oh, that looks good. Because you know what? In her eyes, oh, it was great. Her choice was right on the money. And you know what? That's the reason why we need Jesus. Because we, in our own eyes, make some of the craziest, unwise choices. And we need people around us who will say, you know what? Here's what is wise. That takes us to number four. Listen to wise counsel. Proverbs 15, 31. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Proverbs 19, 20, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. This is attached to number three because you know what? If you hang out with wise people long enough, what's going to happen? They're going to say some wise things to you. You're going to hear some wise counsel. And these are people who don't just, I'm not talking about wise like they know a lot of stuff. I'm saying, and I'm not just saying they're wise, and then what they do is they just fill you with a lot of opinion. No, you know what wise people do? They don't give you opinion. They take us to God's word. And they give, as Proverbs 15, 31 says, life-giving reproof. Life-giving. What or who is it that gives us life? God does. These are people that connect us to the word of God with love and great care. And what do we end up receiving? Uh, chapter 19, 20, it says, what, we, what do we gain? We gain wisdom, and when do we get it? In the future. For future decisions. When we hang out with people who are wise. One more, but in order to do this one justice, let's take a look back at some of my favorite quotes from people who just didn't stop talking fast enough. This is from Paul Ham, Olympic gymnast. I owe a lot to my parents, especially my mother and father. Ms. Alabama said to a question, if you could live forever, would you and why? She said, I would not live forever because I should not live forever because if we were supposed to live forever, then we would live forever, but we cannot live forever, which is why I would not live forever. That's deep. We've got Philadelphia Phillies manager Danny Ozark. Half this game is 90% mental. Winston Bennett, University of Kentucky basketball forward. I've never had major knee surgery on any other part of my body. Brooke Shields, during an interview in 1981 before a subcommittee in the House of Representatives regarding becoming a spokesperson for the federal anti-smoking campaign, she said, smoking kills, and if you're killed, you've lost a very important part of your life. Mariah Carey. Whenever I watch TV and see those poor, starving kids all over the world, I can't help but cry. I mean, I'd love to be skinny like that, but not with all those flies and stuff. Is that awful? (laughs) 
painful. Makes me cringe. You know what? I've made myself cringe with some of the things I've said. No, I've never said that. What about you? You wish there were some things that maybe you could have taken back? You wish that maybe you had thought a little bit more, prayed a little bit more, counted to five a little bit more, done something a little bit more before you said the things to your parents that you wish you hadn't said or before you said the thing to your spouse that you wish that hadn't come out or before you said that thing to your boss or your employee that now you're still paying for. What do wise people do? Proverbs ten nineteen says they talk less. When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. I'm not sure what that looks like for you. Maybe that just simply means I'm going to talk to God first. I'm going to take a step away from the tempting situation where I might say something that I'm going to regret and I'm going to maybe count to 10 or I'm going to just ask some simple questions. Is this profitable? Is this beneficial? You know the verse. Will it build up or tear down? Will it be considered as gossip? Am I really a part of the solution? And if not, then why in the world is my mouth about to open? Because when words are many, here's what Proverbs says, transgression is not lacking. We do those things. We fear God. We make wisdom our goal. We hang out with wise people and listen to what they say and talk less. We're on the road to wisdom. Some final thoughts. The pursuit is imperative. We got to ask for it. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. You know what God wants? God wants to know that our heart is in it. Because it is a choice. That we desire him, that we pursue him and what he wants, and that we will stop at nothing to get it. Don't you love watching your kid or your spouse or a best friend run with reckless abandon at something that they have set their heart out to do and then receive it. And I would say, you know what? What God is saying is, listen, my child, run with reckless abandon. The pursuit is so very important and I'm going to give it to you. Second, the process is inescapable. Remember Jesus? Luke 2.52 says what? And Jesus already arrived. No, that's not what it says. It says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now, all the theology wrapped up in this, we could talk about for hours and hours. Jesus, 100% God. Jesus, 100% man. Here's what I know. What I know is what this verse says is that Jesus increased in wisdom as he grew up in favor with God and man. That that's the way that, that God decided that Jesus, that as they, as the Trinity sat together and said, how are we going to do this whole thing? Oh, I know, Jesus is going to come down in the form of a man, in a baby, and grow up. And all of his life as he grows, here's what's going to happen. He's going to go through that growth cycle in the same way that you and I will. Jesus didn't evade the process, and neither will we. This verse says that Jesus was in process Not that he sinned, he never sinned. He always made the right choice. 
But in his relationship with his father, in his relationship with others, he was in process, understanding, growing in wisdom. Finally, the perks are invaluable. That's life, now and forever. What does Ecclesiastes 7.12 say again? For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life, preserves the life of him who has it. So what does God do? He gives us life. Yeah, it's the life that we breathe. We just have that breath coming in and out of our nostrils, right? But it's more than that. He not only gives us that breath, but he also gives us life eternal if we take that step of faith. He gives us better consequences as we make wise choices, as we rely on the wisdom that he offers. And all of this is attached to the first one we looked at just now, that the pursuit is worth it. The pursuit is worth it. Look at the benefit. So we go back again one more time. I want you to imagine this whole auditorium now is just filled, filled up with fools. And they watch the screenplay of your life. And when it's over, they give you a standing ovation. They are really impressed. Is that the crowd you want to impress? They don't even know right from wrong. They wouldn't know a wise choice if it hit them in the head. But imagine this room filled with nothing but people who are seeking after God. Who have wisdom beyond their years. And they watch the screenplay of your life. And when it's over, they stand up and just applaud. I don't know about you, but that's the crowd that I want giving the applause. Which ovation do you want? Unfortunately, most of us, I say, humans, end up living for the applause of fools. What God challenges us to do is to live for the applause of him and those who follow him. As he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have run a good race. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for blessing us with just a little short visit through the chronicles of wisdom. And God, I know that it's not by accident that any one of us would be here tonight. And that whether we're 16 or 60 or anywhere in between, that God, you've done things in us in such a way that sets us up to in this moment take a step in your direction in some way. So God, help us to know what that next decision is, that next step, and to take it in obedience. God, as we connect with you in communion, in worship, as we just kind of hang out these last few minutes together, would you whisper in our ear what it is that you want us to do next? That this wouldn't just be a sit and soak moment, but God, that it would be something that is catalytic for us, that takes us toward a deeper relationship with you. God, may we run after you. 
and all that you have for us in this life, knowing that the pursuit is worth it. We love you, God. In Jesus' name.